Doc Thanos, John McGrath, Troy Malcolm, welcome to Million Dollar Agent. I'm convinced that word, that term, million dollar agent, for some reason, I open up, you'll see a brochure, someone's running some course in, you know, New Caledonia, someone's running some course in the USA, million dollar agent, and I just feel like, I feel like we, we didn't get our paperwork right, we could have trademarked that, we would have made millions of hey, dollars. Hey, Tommy, don't worry, we stole it from someone else, <laughs> so don't worry That's true. about that. I still remember the day. It's all right. <laughs> If anyone I ever, can't remember who, but I'm sure we've pinched it from someone else. If anyone ever questions it, we can always just refer them to iTunes and go right to episode one, November 2013. There you go. Yeah. So, hey, God, listen, it's going to be five-year anniversary coming up. Five years. years? Yeah, the 13th of November 2013. Okay, we well, do something. 13th of November. Special. When was yeah. it, Tommy? I remember the, I remember I the day. Yeah, I, still, I remember it. It was, it was only the Tom Panos John McGrath show at that, t- at that point. <laughs> And then you came in with these new creative photos. I've changed the cover. I've done this. We're going to collaborate. Next thing you know is we've got a business partner in a business that's got no revenue. So we never look back. <laughs> hey, uh, I was listening. Uh, I've just been doing a bit of detox, as you guys know. I don't drink alcohol, but I uh, well, sugar. What, what is are my, you detoxing on? Sugar is my right. poison. I, I I have a sweet tooth, and I I have too much sugar. So. I was listening to this guy called Dr. Stephen Gundry, G-U-N-D-R-Y, very interesting, and he talks about, well, one of the quotes I heard which I quite liked, and it's relevant to our audience, not just in food, but in life, and he said, um, the stuff that'll make the difference is the stuff you stop doing more than the stuff you start doing. Mm -hmm. And you think about that, again, in business, um, it's the stuff you're going to stop doing. So a lot of people are fearful, they have this need to be liked by everyone all the time, they're therefore blocks their ability to tell the truth and the vendor needs to hear the truth so it stops and in the market as we spoke about last week you know you just got to be honest and direct with people but he was talking about a thing called lectins anyway just it's interesting because there's a thing called lectins l-e-c-t-i-n-s which is peanuts has got them um, gluten's got them corn has got a lot of them mm. and he's saying they're the things you got to cut out and they're often perceived as i always thought peanuts were pretty healthy and i certainly thought corn was very healthy and he said they have this thing called lectins, and lectins, they, have, they play around with your gut, and 80% of disease starts in your gut. So it was kind of just a good thing, but I, I would recommend everyone just uh, read him, listen so to John, him. So, John, what day are you in the detox now? 21 days. So you've gone three weeks? Three weeks, yeah. So, so are no, you feeling? No, fantastic. But it's been, it hasn't been inconvenient. I mean... Sometimes, you know, you want to sound like a hero. It's been such a sacrifice. All I've been doing is the daily intermittent fasting, so I haven't Mm -hmm. been having breakfast, which means I don't eat between dinner, which for me is usually about 6.30pm, and next lunchtime, say 12.30, so it gives me that whole kind of period of 18 hours or something with no eating. They say that. Let's get this right, John. You have dinner at what time? 6.30. And when's the next time you have a meal? Lunch, 12.30 the following day. So you don't eat anything from 7pm onwards? No, I don't eat at night afterwards anyway, and I don't... And it's not inconvenient to not have breakfast. I have a cup of tea for Are breakfast. you starving in the morning? No, not at all. Because, of course, your stomach shrinks to the, probably the size it should be. Have yeah. you lost weight? Yeah, I lost three and a half, four kilos in three weeks. Are you but I feel that? a lot better. And I'm doing 10,000 steps. So I made it very, I'm, a, I'm a great believer in making it simple. So I said to myself, I'll do the intermittent fast mm-hmm. and I'll do 10,000 steps a day. If I do those two things... Anything else I do as a bonus, and I have done a few other bonus things and cut a few other little things Have you out. got a Fitbit on you? No, I carry my phone. Right. So I just look at it. And the health app on the if phone. I'm, if I'm heading home and I've only done 7,500 steps, 
I'll, I'll stop the car and I'll get out and I'll walk for 20 minutes and I'll get up to 10,000 and I'll go home and have dinner. So it's good. I mean, and again, from a business perspective, what you measure gets done. Mm. You took the words out of my mouth. I was just thinking to me. That's, that's, that's a bit of an accountability tool, isn't it? Brilliant. That's what I found with the iWatch as so, well. So to explain that, what have you got there? Well, well, no, I've just got... with the health app on it. Yeah, just the health app on it. And it's just measuring my activity. But I've upped my activity as well. So standing, measure how long I stand for. Um, calories or kilojoules burnt. And then activity. So you try and... I think the, the default setting is about 30 minutes but you can change the settings around. So if you increase that to 60 minutes, then it's like walking 10,000 steps. 10,000 steps, is, I find, is about an hour or 10 yeah. of walking a day. So I do 5.30, I get up and I do 35 to 45 and a few steps along the way. So that, that would take, that's about that, half that's of That gets the, me half there. Yeah. Uh, and then either if I'm working in the city, I'll walk in rather than you know, drive in. That kind of gets me there and back, gets me the other half. Or if I'm in the car all day, I'll just stop and, you know, come home at 5.30, quarter to 6, and then just walk for another half an hour, and then get back in the car. And So it is, it is pretty easy, but it's the same in, you know, we, we talked last week a lot about, you know, the, the process. You have to work the process in real estate. And the process is you've got to speak to your vendors every day, just like your 10,000 steps. Mm. And, you know, your diet, what is your diet? You've got to be courageous, so you've got to say, hey, Troy, we need to talk about price, because right now the market's rejected our price, and you have that conversation. And five out of ten say, let me think about it. The other three or four say, okay, let's do it. And one or two say, look, I'll, I'll never sell for that price ever. At least you know where you stand. Yeah. So, um, you yeah, know, I thought it was just interesting. But when he said that it's the things you cut out, because he said you can eat as much broccoli as you want. Mm. You can eat three bowls of broccoli at night. But if you're eating the bad stuff, the toxins as well, the extra broccoli doesn't really help. Yeah. So, you know, you've got to cut out the stuff. So in business, you've got to cut out the stuff that's not working for you. And in relationships, there might be, you know, what is the one thing you do in relationship with your loved ones or family or colleagues or whatever that that is kind of the toxic thing? And, and what you're talking about there is the not-to-do list is more important than the to-do list. Yeah. I have to say, what I've noticed with me is if I get online at night and begin one pathway to another of clicking something, seeing it, before you know it, you could actually spend two hours. It gets to 10.30. On the internet or on the television? The, oh, on your mobile phone. Yeah, a lot yeah. of the time you're on your mobile, you press <laughs> a link, you it's press dangerous. that, you read that, you watch a quick video, you look at that. Before you know it, it's 10.45, 11. And then when you wake up, you don't have the ability of having a good night's sleep. Yep. And there's this flow-on effect that if you don't win that first hour in the day, your day sort of seems to uh, begin a spiral of not being perfect. I'm not saying it's disastrous, but then you begin to realise, you say, hang on a second, that's not the right thing for me. At 9.30, I should try and avoid not looking at the phone. Yeah. Um, Well, easy hack on that, Tom, is if you've got a study or you've got somewhere else where you can plug in your phone, not the bedroom and not the living space, plug your phone in and walk away. Yeah. Mm. Most people from about seven o'clock at night don't expect to be speaking Straight in away. a business relationship. I've always Troy, I've always the mobile can stimulate my mind, particularly if you read an email yeah. that's upsetting or or, mm-hmm. or, 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 or something. It seems to be processed in your head at night and affects your sleep. I find that watching t- TV for me is a relaxant. Like I find watching TV at night. Now a lot of people say don't look at screens, but I actually find that it's part of a night. Yeah. Night ritual, Your routine, you know? yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, so today, we're so, going to talk about So, John, gears. I want to talk about this topic because every time I put it on social media or on Facebook, mm. I get 
bombarded with private messages. Hey, love the topic, but don't want to identify myself. I've got this situation. Do you think, you know, this is right? This is what's happening in my office or my boss did this, this and that. So the topic is, how do I know if I'm working for the right office? And maybe we can talk about what are the characteristics of a great employer? What should you be looking at? Or, or if I'm looking for a job, well, yeah. you know, how do I spot a great one? Look, yeah, it's an interesting thing, and I think this is brand agnostic because every brand and every franchise has got both good and bad offices, um, or okay and brilliant. It really comes down to the principle, doesn't it? And I, I remember that when I started um, way back, I was very fortunate to fluke a principle well, when I say fluke, I kind of I figured he was going to be interesting and creative and stimulating, but he was, he was like, a good guy. Good, good, really good guy. Can I ask who that was? John? A guy called John O'Brien. Well, this yeah. is my first sales job, not not right. my property management job, and he passed away uh, not that long afterwards, probably half a dozen years after I joined. But um, I learned a lot from him, and I think especially in a smaller office, if you've got a bigger office, and you know Troy heads up our learning and development program, so. And we have sales managers in some of our bigger offices, so it's a bit different. But the typical real estate office is still quite small. So, Tom, at that point, you know, assuming it's you know a, a principal plus four or five agents and a property manager and a receptionist, that's that probably that probably reflects in our seventy five percent of offices in our country. Um, the principal is really key. Yeah. Don't worry about the brand. Don't worry about the logo. It's the or sales manager. I mean, it could be a corporate. I mean, we've got corporate offices with you know sales managers. So the person who's leading the business or leading the office is really critical. Um, and access to that person or the ability to access others in that company, I think, is really vital because you can you can go to YouTube, you can go to Tom's gym, you can do all sorts of things. But there's nothing like on the on the job training. You know, like in the field, having someone say, "Hey, I think next time you should have said this and shouldn't yep. have said that." So I, I think it starts with a really good principle. Um, so one is your ability to learn from them, Tom. The other thing is you want someone with good integrity. I've had a lot of people say to me, you know, my boss wanted me to say this and I just didn't feel comfortable. And I really feel pain for that person because what a conflict. They've got a boss who's kind of employing them or paying for them and they're saying, no, no, don't say that. Don't, don't tell them the truth because they won't list with you or don't tell the buyers about that crack in the back wall. Mm. We'll just push the chest against it so no one can see it. And I, I do feel, and I do hear a lot of people conflicted with that, which you should be. Yep. My view is no one can buy your integrity. No one can tell you what to say if it's not right. So I think you know you want someone with great integrity and you want someone with skills and experience that can and, and a preparedness to impart them onto you. I think that's the really critical part. You know, the stuff like technology is interesting, but you know, there's plenty of off-the-shelf technology. You know, if you're fortunate, you know, as we are, I guess, with someone like Troy that's a leading coaching and development in-house, that's good. But if you're not, you can join your gym and go to ARIC. And there, there, are, there are plenty of training options if you don't have them in-house. I mean, the, the, the McGrath operation is not symbolic of, you know, we're, we're in Newtown, of the typical real estate office in Newtown that's got, you know, 10, 15 people, a couple of property managers, receptionists, three or four salespeople. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, you you had you know company owned offices and that. So so John, what you're saying to me is the person's got similar values to what you have, and hopefully they're good good values. Yeah. The second thing you're saying is the availability of that person to be, in many ways, what you're saying, a coach to you. You know. Yeah. Or, or just a, a, a couple of my bosses in the early days, they weren't what I'd call particularly forthcoming in giving me lots of tips, but I just observe them. So I think if you observe yeah. them, 
So all you got to do is be able to be present. And I was fortunate with with my that boss that I said, John O'Brien, was really really good guy and great to me. Is even when he couldn't impart what was his brilliance, I could observe it because he took me to every listing. So I would just sit and, and uh, driving around, he'd be talking to me, he'd be on the phone talking and negotiating deals. And I guess I figured out that no matter what, I had to be a sponge in that environment. So I think, you know, as long as you're a sponge and they allow access, that's good enough. And I think, look, going forward, obviously there are things, Troy, like marketing, you know, we, we, I think we put a great deal of time and attention into that. You know, you, you can't be in a, in a company now that doesn't have pride in their marketing. It's just the, the standard of marketing across the board, so many companies has gone up to world class, I, you know, you travel around the world. I don't think there's much better. So, 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 John, you think you think it's a distinct advantage being in an agency that has got attraction, which is underpinned by being a marketing type business. I, I think you've got to be in an agency that has the tools and the support team that allows you to market your vendor's property beautifully. Yeah, that's really important. REA in domain has taken away the absolute need to have a lot of traffic through your own company's website. Yeah. And it's kind of nice if it's a bonus, but you know, if you're in a small company that doesn't have a website that attracts them, but you just put your properties on REA in domain, so or all homes in the ACT. Um, so I think that's okay, but you've got to make sure that you know most most Australian agencies and New Zealand are pretty good at this, but. The, the photography that you're using, the floor plans, the copywriting, uh, the videos. Nowadays, videos have become incredibly important. And I think back to the principal thing, Tom, you've got to be with someone that's keeping pace with what's happening. Yeah. I hear people saying, oh, my boss won't let me do put, put a Facebook page up or they won't let me use social media. Yeah, there are some things. You can't hold back the tide. Social media, Facebook and marketing in those channels, video is really critical. And, and I've had agents, Troy, say to me, well, they won't let me front the video because they think that I shouldn't be promoting myself. And I say, well, can't, you've got to let an agent grow. Yeah. You know, and they say, well, you know, they don't, they don't want me to grow because they don't want to keep up. I've, I've even heard of companies that don't allow agents to put their names and numbers on ads, which is kind of starting to feel archaic, but it still happens a bit. And I think, well, that's, that's a scarcity mentality. I think that's it, John. You just said grow, and I think... Most people, when they join a brand, they want to make sure that they can grow, especially the younger um, age groups. Gen Ys, they want to be in an environment where they can see a career plan. Most of them have instant success, or they desire instant success and gratification. You've got to make sure that there's some kind of path that gets them through the first couple of years. Because if you don't, then they're going to see the next shiny thing and move on. We know that from Gen Y. Mm. But if you can retain them in an environment, I, I'm on the cusp. I'm going to say that I'm right. What's Tom cusp. and I? What are we? Baby boomers. Grey nomads. We're baby boomers. I've been telling other people we're baby boomers. I'm the person I've been telling others. No, but it's true. I mean, it's quite it's quite interesting because I, I obviously I, in the role that I'm in, I, I get a lot of interest and go on and, and search a lot on LinkedIn, and we talk about LinkedIn a lot. And they were saying um, that 70% of Gen Ys when they start a job. They'll make a decision whether they're going to stay there long-term or not within the first seven days, seven working days of, of their business career in yeah. that place. They're going to make a decision whether they're going to be there long-term or whether they're just going to do it for a job and find something else. Yeah. And that's a really interesting thing because you think about onboarding, you think about the first interactions you have with some new starters. What impression are you leaving on them? How are you going to get them to the, where they want to be and to where you want them to be? Because we invest a lot of money 
and a lot of time in the right environment to grow these people. I mean, we don't Troy, want them walking out the door. Troy, there's still a group, it's only a small subset, but there is a group of agents out there that use a model. I don't think McGrath's ever had this model. I think even back then, my recollection of McGrath's was that you always saw your agents as audience developers, so you were more than happy for that person, that girl or guy, to develop their brand yeah. within the brand. But there is a group of real estate officers, and most suburbs have one a hybrid of them where it's the phone number, you don't know who the person is, the owner has got slight paranoia that if they actually develop that agent, that that agent becomes good, and that agent leaves, and that agent takes clients with him. And I mean, ultimately, which which happens. Which happens, but I think at the end of the day, market forces now determine which agent will get a listing. Whether they're on an Excel sheet in a database doesn't really have that much to do with it. The fact is, the marketplace can determine through activity, through the personality, Mm. through the personal brand of that person, and whether they're sitting on someone's database, to me is not as big an issue as the reality is that consumers now have got so much information available that they will list with the person that they want to list. That, you know, yeah. Yeah, do, What do you true. think of that? Yeah, great. Very, very, very true. And um, you're right, there will be some people that will build and they will rightly or wrongly think they've outgrown the brand. That's going to happen anyway. So you may as well embrace them and help them grow. And if you do that, you stand a better chance of if you kind of try and keep them stuffed down at a low and put a glass ceiling over their head. So John, what you, what I, you, I'd love to know. I would love to know how many of those agents that don't get, allow to have their names on the ads have left to go to another brand where they can. You well, know, one simple all thing. All the good ones would yeah. be. <laughs> yeah, that's I, better. I, all the good ones because really... You've, what a cost. Yeah, you what want a huge to build cost. a personal brand. And I think a personal brand can fit nicely under a corporate brand. Absolutely. You know, I, I don't think because you develop a great personal brand you necessarily have to go and start your own thing. No. I mean, nowadays commission splits have gone up to higher than they ever have in the past. It costs money to run an office. So most people are saying, well, it's not my expertise running an office. It costs money. I'm on a pretty good split anyway. So I think you've got to have an abundance mentality as a mm. principle. And digital, you know, we talked, we touched on digital. I think digital and social now are becoming critical. Yep. So I'd be going to a company that embraces digital and social, that has a great footprint, that's got strong LinkedIn presence, strong Instagram usage, strong Facebook usage, mm-hmm. all of that. And th- all that stuff very easy to check out. If you're a principal, by the way, and I had a, a principal tell me that that's when he realised um, that he was happy, he was a business owner, and it hadn't happened until that time. They were at their uh, national awards. They had a table of 10. Mm. And uh, the winner for one of the major awards was announced, and that winner was one of his team members. And he said it was the first time he'd been genuinely happy it wasn't him and it was one of his team members because he was a selling principal. Yeah. He says, the person got up and from the inside, I was over the moon. But up until that year, if it wasn't me, <laughs> um, I used to have a slight resentment. So It's called growth, right? It's called growth. Correct. And, and I think a lot of people would, would relate to that. Probably a lot of principals sitting here would say, well, kind of it feels nice, it's got my name above the door and it's kind of been about me, but now I'm growing a team and I don't know how to feel about that and now my team's outlisting me. Well, I love that metaphor. The guy actually said, okay, in that instance, he felt good about the fact that it wasn't him or someone else. Yeah. Um, so yeah, You have to become the cheerleader of your people. 
You have yeah. to be the, the person that's always there getting them back up because it's a long game. Seven days a week, 24 hours a day, that's when your phone's on. And that, I think, Troy, brings me to the last, my last point on this. is about culture. Yeah. Which, you know, you, you can see logos, you can see signboards, you can see ads in paper. They're all kind of tangible things. Culture, as much as I do think it is tangible, you've got to feel it. Yep. And you can typically feel it by talking to someone that works there, walking into the office, peering in the window at night. You can just feel the culture, the vibe of a business. How it kind of, Does it feel like it's got pride and energy and excitement? Or does it feel like it's outdated mm. and it's tired and it's whatever? So I think, you know, find a principle that's got integrity that you can learn from. Find a company that's got strong digital and social and beautiful marketing and find a culture now, you might have, and by the way, there's no perfect companies that, well, there are very few that are going to have all of those boxes ticked. So don't just kind of start marking your company and saying, well, we're not perfect, because guess mm. what? No one is. Mm. But if you, can, if, if you feel, and this is not about having people leave, I, mean, I think actually most people blame their company for a lot of their own shortcomings, to be quite frank. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of leave, and they go to one, two, three, four companies all wanting the company to make them better, take responsibility where you're at and you've got a pretty good chance of actually turning things around. Mm. But if you do feel that it's not for you, just have a little bit of a checklist, laundry list of those three or four things. See if that John, works. I remember about a year ago you looked at the poll that I had on the Private Gym Facebook page. Mm. About 250 people responded. The top three things of what uh, they were looking for in an employer um, was number one was culture, yep. number two was brand, and number three was commission, commission split. split. But we, culture was so far ahead, it was correct, not. Commission correct. split was like 13%, and culture was like 65 or something. Yeah, I, think, I, think massive. The, I think the average guy or girl would forego 10% going to a place that brings their best version of themselves yeah. because yeah. I think the average girl or guy now has worked out they'd rather get, you know, 50% of X amount than actually, you know, some of these models that are even talking about 90% <laughs> of nothing, right? Yeah. So I think people have sort of worked out they, they would much prefer and be happy, and be happy. That's the other thing, you know, walking in. Well, you're spending 60, in this industry, 60 hours doing what you're doing with the people you're doing it with. Yep. You've got to enjoy going in there and, and interacting with them. And you're right, Tom, you know, 10% of something really doesn't mean much. If you double your business, I'd very happily, you know, forego the 10% extra to double my business and feel how that is. So, yeah. Quick question that came in, um, and I said I was going to ask both of you. If you've been working in real estate for less than two years... Yep. Um, ..and you've got to work really hard to get cut through in this period, you're new to real estate, mm. in terms of hours... Is there a guideline of uh, what you'd be putting in in those first two years per week? I mean, do you remember when you're in real estate? I've, I've always said I think real estate is a 60-hour-a-week industry. The good news is if you really love it, it doesn't feel like it's any hours because I actually, you know, I have loved all my life helping people buy and sell. It's kind of fun. I do it for nothing. But you do get paid well if you get good at it. Yeah. Because I think A is I think it's a six-day-a-week industry. Yes. So it's pretty hard to take much more than a day off. If you're trying to build and grow your business, you know, at some point down the track, you probably can. But I think it's a six-day a week. And, and look, I've just always been a person that finds nine to five is just kind of doesn't feel right to me. <laughs> yeah, it feels somewhat, and I'm not being critical of public servants, but if you're working for the government and there's no chance of kind of 
going somewhere you want to get to and you're on a fixed wage, okay, work nine to five, I get that. Yep. If you're working in what is predominantly a commission-based industry and you're not in the office by eight, and if you're clocking off at five, so I think eight till six, six days a week is kind of the formula. When people come on board or they say to me, look, I'm thinking of getting into real estate, tell me about it, and I'll say, I'll tell you the good and I'll tell you the bad. Um, and uh, I, I think that, not that I think 60 hours a week is bad, because we, we've all worked that and more and loved it, and I know plenty of people who are working in jobs, they're working 40 hours and hate it. Mm. So it's kind of a matter of you know, what floats your boat. So what, what do you think, Troy? Do you well, have, I actually think... What's the Gen X perspective? Gen Y, what are you? Gen Y, just yeah, yeah, upgraded my gen. <laughs> gen. I'm trying to get in closer to us, though. <laughs> um, I reckon... So I don't look at it as a total hour, but I reckon if you spend... And Bowie, Adrian Bow talks about this a lot. Um, if you spend two to four hours in the first two years prospecting in the morning and then have two face-to-face appointments in the afternoon and then do all the other activities you can actually get really clever at always being on. And by saying always being on, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, video on YouTube, people get to then digest your information, your message, your brand when they choose. Yeah. Right? So if you're really smart about the way you do that, you can do all that in the normal hours of a day and then have it go live at night. You can strategically post things. So when people are most captive and they're looking at their phones or they're looking at their iPad, that's when they're seeing you. Yeah, Troy, so it's interesting you say that because it's a leverage, right? You it's leverage, it. yeah. A good example, I, want, I don't want to forget my other thought, but a good example is you put a great video out there. You go out and spend three or four, five thousand dollars you get a great video cut that talks about your values, your approach to the industry, maybe a couple of client testimonials and so on and so forth. You, you put that out there and a hundred people a week can see that. Yeah. It takes no time. More, more, thousands. Yeah, th- thousands. Yeah. I'm talking about in your community, yeah. people that actually might want to do business can see that. Whereas before, you would have had to go and meet each and every one of them mm. and say it. The other thing that I hope I haven't forgotten what that was, well, oh, yeah, the other thing is when I used to sell, there was a much greater propensity to have to do a lot of after-hours evening work mm. because I think back then people were less flexible in their workplace. Nowadays, people working from home, they yep. get off a bit earlier, it's a bit different. So I remember that I used to spend many an evening, most evenings, at listing appointments or trying to close deals, 7.30 in a lounge room with a husband and wife typically was that. Nowadays, I think agents um, are able to make a lot more business hour appointments, and I call business hours, let's say, 8 till 6. Yeah. Because I think, you know, you should be home with your loved ones at dinner time, bath Mm -hmm. time, whatever. Um, And so I think that there is a much better chance nowadays of not having to burn the midnight oil, which is an advantage over, say, probably 15, 20 years ago. Yeah. But I think what you're saying is the real fees and the real value is earned before 9 and after 5 p.m. Yeah. Because if you're the sort of person that is thinking 9 to 5, that could be problematic in this industry. Yeah, I think if you think eight or six, six days, you can cre- you can create a million dollar plus business doing that. Yeah, there's going to be some evenings occasionally where you're still going to have to be there at 7.30 talking to the clients, but it doesn't have to be as routine as I think it did perhaps 15, 20 years ago. Um, people are more flexible and they're able to kind of duck away from work and with mobile phone and technology, meet you at lunchtime, meet you at four o'clock in the afternoon. But you do have to be dedicated. You can't dip your toe in and expect results. Yeah. Mm. So if you leave okay. that on that note. There's, there's, kind of yeah, well, look, the issue on video is that I know that real estate agents now are 
treating video so seriously. Will Ainsworth said to me, I think we talked about it on the podcast, I forget whether we've talked about things, but he said on a Wednesday, it's his digital door knock day. And I said, what do you mean by that? He yep. said, I shoot videos and I shoot good quality videos and these videos are going to go out to thousands of people mm-hmm. and that is no different to me door knocking them. I'm actually hitting them in a way that they want to consume it yep. and I'm making sure that not only are they seeing the property but they're getting a good taste of what I'm really like as a person yep. and that just helps in this world that you know there's no more blind dates. People sort of have got a pretty good idea of what you're all about before that listing presentation. Yeah, mm. yeah very true. So I will look forward to seeing you. Troy, what uh, what what episode is this? Or uh, Five years. Five years. Five, five, five year anniversary. Years, five times 50. You've got me. Out so of all two, the times that I've ever had the episode. Are we, are, are, we're, are we at 250? Close. No. About 220? Two. We had 200, remember? Celebration. This is episode number 206. 206. Uh, yeah. Times but we did, a, we did our biggest episode ever, 204, which was the hour and 25 minutes at your real estate gym. Up in Canada Bay. Yeah, so that's, that's up there now, is Yeah, it? that's up. That's live. Okay. That was yeah. a, I'm, I'm still, I have to tell you, I'm becoming addicted to the long form interviews. I, I listened to Joe Rogan's one. Joe Rogan. I was listening I'll, to Joe Rogan this morning. Hey. It was on the current episode, but it was one and it was kind of... I don't of, know hmm. what it is about this long form, you know. I, I'll tell you what I like about podcasts now. Podcasts is you get this long form ability to hear and get into the brain of um, someone. So I'm not saying that we should uh, take our podcasts and make them one hour a <laughs> podcast, but I'll tell you one thing I'm noticing. I'm not listening to short podcasts anymore. I don't, for some reason, I'll, I want to really feel and get onto the journey. Yeah, anything under 10 minutes, I don't even subscribe to anymore. I, I go to, there's another guy. Isn't that funny? Have you guys heard of, he's a YouTuber, I don't even, I, you might have a podcast called Tom Bilyeu. Yes. yes. Unbelievable. Well, he's the guy, John, that is, he sold the company Power called Bar. Quest. That's Quest. it? Yep. Yeah. Yes. How good is that? Brilliant. Podcast? He does a... So for listeners, B, Tom, yep. B-I-L-Y-E-U, and I, 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 most mornings now when I'm walking, I'm, I've got a podcast, not a, a video, it's in my pocket, I'm listening to him. The guests he has are fantastic. The, the topics he covers are brilliant. I think he's just fan. In fact, we should try and get him for Eric because he's a great speaker himself. He's a good speaker? Well, really he, good he speaker. He does a YouTube channel and it's got a beautiful TV and the two armchairs and it's like a, it, it is like a Ellen DeGeneres or sit-down kind of show. <laughs> it's, it's pretty yeah, impressive. Yeah, he's, he's, he's good. I like him. And I'm, and I'm increasingly liking the way that YouTube allows you to actually listen to content without having the app open. Yeah. Yeah. It sort of doubles up as a bit of an audio book, if you know what I mm-hmm. mean. Mm-hmm. Uh, but look, on that point... Um, we will say goodbye and we will talk to our listeners and I want to remind everyone that we still have got eight weeks of work till the 21st of December yeah. and there is a tendency and I know Melbourne agents said it to me they said sometimes we feel the Melbourne Cup happens and after that we just feel Christmas is here you know it's time for a break so if you're at work work till the 21st or go and leave yeah there's been a million deals I reckon that has happened over the past 30 years on Christmas Eve two days before Christmas even New Year's Eve Troy even New Year's Eve there's been people that have bought and sold property in that time so get out I exchange contracts on Kingston Street Haverfield at 4.30pm on the 24th of December and I had a very persuasive salesperson called Michael Tringali <laughs> saying to me, Tom, do you realise that anything might happen between the 24th 
and the second with these people. <laughs> what a great Christmas gift, right? <laughs> for your family. Yep. That's a great story. I didn't know that. Well yes. done, Tringali. Well done, Tringali. Does, it, does he listen or does he over us? We slam him. Oh, no, no, no. He listens. He listens. And he actually, whenever he hears his name, he said, thanks, I really appreciate it. And um, have you thought about mentioning this? I said, Michael, we'll mention you when we're going to mention you. <laughs> and, and, and just while we're on the topic, the salami must be due now. He does the best salami in the country, and I don't think I've had one for, it's got to be nearly 12 you, months. You've ever received one, John? Did you not get oh one, John? <laughs> What's going on? I've never, I've never, no, Troy, I've never received one either. Oh, you, oh haven't you? I've never, oh, I've, never, I've never received one. I've never received one. That got awkward. I think there's a black market for it. I think he kind of, you know. I've never received it. Michael gets quite intimidated. If he ever sees me in the cafe and he sees I've got a group of around seven, eight people there, I'll yell out, I'll say, would you do a co- co-agency with me, Mike? <laughs> <laughs> All right. All righty. Thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. See you next week.